Welcome to our newest adventure for first responder wellness. No one fights alone. In-depth conversations about mental health and culture in the first responder space. We're joined by your co-hosts, Austin Pedersen and Brad Shepard. Hey, we're back with the No One Fights Alone podcast. And uh, we're bringing one of the podcasts of just uh, Austin and I hanging out. But we have Sarah with us today. Hello. Yeah, welcome to the podcast, Sarah. This is just uh, sit around and shoot the shit podcast some of these have been the most well received so yeah i mean it's it's one of those where i we talked a bunch about you know humanizing and all that shit before this and then we got sarah's take on a few things and i find her take to be very very interesting it's it's fascinating yeah yeah because some of it's understandable some of it's challenging yeah yeah so i think from uh, to to be clear i mean what we were talking about uh and then we we were sitting here talking and having a great conversation and what we ended up doing is saying hey let's put this on a podcast because uh we might as well be uh involving the listeners in some of this conversation because it's a great conversation so we were defining a, a pillar of chateau which is humanizing people and humanizing being seeing people much beyond what the facade of who they are all of us have this kind of outer shell, which is, you know, here's what I want everybody to see, but there's more beyond that. And the conversation then turned to a little bit of a uh, defining it and what does that look like and is it empathy? And let's let's just kind of pick it up from there because yeah. let's kind of reintroduce everybody to that portion of the conversation. Earn, yeah, your, earn your paycheck. Let's go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, because we were watching a video and I, the question just popped into my head. So when we were done, I just said, you know, do you guys think of humanizing as just empathy? And um, what was it that I said? Empathy and sympathy. No, I can't remember the other thing that I said now. But um, you said, like, well, no, that it's more than that. And I was basically just saying that, you know, because I kind of do. I think of it as really just having empathy and what was the other part action. of that we're talking about action i know but it was my take that was your take that was like the arbinger take it was mm. before that though and i really like it was the main part though but i don't remember anywho and then that's when we talked about how it's more than you know just empathy and seeing that like this could happen to me kind of thing um that it was the action involved. behind I think it. That's where we were talking about. And I, and yeah, for as sure. I, as I talk, maybe you can remember some of this. I'll spawn maybe something in your memory. But what that empathy, I think, is involved. It's a part of that process. Uh, you know, and I, I, I remember Arbinger uses uh, or Dave with Arbinger really used the word curious. Are you are you curious enough about a human mm -hmm. to invest in them to see beyond to see? And that was where. I think we picked up the conversation and taking, are you putting that into action? Are you really investing something in seeing or hearing them? Yeah. yeah. Well, like, like, let's think about it. Well, first off, the answer is really no, majority of the time. Sure. Right. Like, let's be realistic. We've got about, our agenda. Yeah. Look, like, people will go into my life is hard enough. I don't need this shit. Right. Like, I've seen so many times somebody start into you know, what they believe is a deep conversation regarding struggles or things that they're going through. And people will find a way out of that conversation. Or like if they're tired of that person, what they feel like is complaining, they'll shut them down. Sure. All the time. I mean, we've all had that experience. Well, it's, it's even more difficult when it may be uh, 
doesn't align with your beliefs or values. Maybe mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I disagree with this person on such a deep level that I don't want to see them right. as human. Right. I want to see them as mean or ogre or weak, vile. Yeah. yeah, or just, you know. And that's, it's like more than empathy. It's like more than validating somebody's experience. It's the action afterwards of actually treating them differently by humanizing them is what we were talking about. And the example that like we were talking about was um which which examples were we talking about well we had several one was the uh our clinician marin had brought up yeah uh you know her about her dad mm-hmm. um military scene um you know another dad with his child that you know that's that scenario and he took him a little bit but he saw that father differently and then we had a scenario of a uh, Uber ride with the veteran, and then we had the scenario that was very delicate yeah. of yours, that, yeah. of you know, of a, a child death, and mm-hmm. so we had these. You know the the veteran ride was it, it wasn't much. It didn't take much curiosity to go out of my way to to extend myself. It was a little bit of time, you know. But these other examples were much deeper and heavier, and and actually maybe even crossed some belief lines of right. I don't agree. And Morals. that's where it gets with me because yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's like it's pretty easy for me to humanize somebody that cut me off in traffic. Is it, though? For me, you know what I mean? Compared to the girl that killed her daughter that I went to school with. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, it's like. It's so opposite for me. Really? Yeah. That's so, so interesting. Opposite. So you yeah. so you have an easy like because so, then we we went into we talked about like enemies Right, like we talked about on a war level, and we talked about, like for example, the Taliban. The Taliban. The Taliban. Like, they are also people who have. Well, to be clear, you were referencing the movie Lone yeah, Survivor. Yeah, Lone Survivor. Yeah. They're people who are conditioned to have the beliefs that they have and that they're fighting for something that like and they all have their cause they all have their why right terrorists have a why and a cause and they were like taught it and to them that's their truth or whatever the humanizing piece of it and I'm bringing up I'm being controversial because it's like this one's hard for me because it's like I can understand that and that doesn't mean that I'm going to, like, let a terrorist kill me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm I'm probably not going to treat them differently in that scenario. You know, this is where I get a little bit controversial with this well, belief. A, I think there's a series of things that, that uh, you know, you talk about terrorists who, who are, are wanting to harm my loved ones. And there's a, there's a, if we go down that road, it, it doesn't just get controversial, it, it elicits a very raw emotion i mean pedophiles rapists yeah i mean these are these are all you know these are all people that you're like mm, i want to not sure i'm going to choose to humanize that person yeah uh, I'm, I'm not yeah like well, because we talked yeah. about it too with either. like you talked to i can't remember who you said you talked to but they talked about like the limit yeah like there's a limit with there it. is a limit yeah there's a there's a i don't know if it's moral limitation or or whatever but there's I 
pride myself on a lot of things and being able to take small instances. Like you said, you know, someone cutting you off. See, that's the difference for me. I could take a small instance and be like, I get it. That person probably had a pretty shitty day. Whatever. I'm not going to engage in that. Or like little comments or little jabs or things like that. Like I, I can see through and understand that people are in certain places. But when you get to a line of like pedophilia, for example, like that is a line for me. Like, I don't want anything to do with them. I've, I've had to in this job, right? Like, I've had to. I'm yeah. still going to help them find treatment. But at the same time, I don't understand and don't want to understand right. that thought process. And that's where it is for me for certain things. With that being said, I've had things change in that regard, too. Things where I thought that. I didn't want to change my mind about or whatever, where I have ended up humanizing individuals that I didn't even want to, you know, Well, I think if we job. circle this back to maybe a, a much more palatable uh, portion of the conversation, because we're talking about extremes and those are, yeah. those are, those are hard and finite and that that's just, you're not going to sway me, yeah. uh, you know, on some of those. But I think if we make a difference in our own, to make a difference in our own uh, journey of, you know, peace and serenity and, and understanding how to humanize, we can start on a much more palatable level, which is just, do we see the, you know, the janitor, um, you know, as a person, do we see the wait staff, you know, I've heard several people, uh, talk about, you know, you, you want to know what somebody's about, watch them, how they treat waitresses, waiters, mm -hmm. absolutely. Those, those kind of people, you know, and do you see them as humans? That's 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 what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then you go into first responders as well. I think Sarah had a great point. We had a great conversation about, you know, the truth of the matter is that we have built beliefs about first responders in general through growing up, and especially if you grew up in addiction or or yeah. maybe maybe even like a a a bad childhood, right? Like where the cops were called when there was, you know, CPS involved. Like, sure. yeah, I mean, we're not talking about just drug addiction. We can talk about mental health. Maybe you've been, you know, put in a psych ward because you were suicidal. And who's the one that takes you? Who's the one that shows up first, right? Like, or a cop arrested your dad. Yeah. Your dad's gone now. Yeah. like Your dad's in prison. Right. Yeah. It's the cop's fault. It didn't yeah. matter what dad did, right. you know, kind of thing. And that's, that's a thing, right? Like... So what we were kind of talking about is how before I got this job at Chateau, Austin reached out to me and I was talking to his fiance, who's a really good friend of mine. And I was just like, I don't know if I want to do this job. Here's the pros. Here's the cons. And one of the cons was that I would be basically having to most likely have sympathy for police officers. And that's something for me that I felt I couldn't do just based off my history and based off how I felt about police officers and based off the way that I've talked about how I felt about police officers. And um, I really was just having insularity. And even with knowing that I was, you know, exhibiting insularity, I didn't want that to change. And I remember saying to her, like, and I don't want a lesson. I don't want to go there and, like, get some lesson about how cops are humans or something. Like, I remember saying that. We were on a walk with – oh, no, we didn't have the dogs. We were just on, like, a nature walk and saying that 
And sure enough, like it was so soon into working this job, I was just listening to some calls on the admissions line, like basically for training and sobbing at a call that you had with oh me one of my mm-hmm. calls yeah with uh with a police officer yeah and i just like it was like pretty much that quick as soon as i just really heard them and their experience mm-hmm. just from the horse's mouth because really what it is is i just haven't been around any none no one has been a like important person in my life that was a police officer sure um what 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 about that, that call? It. Uh I know we can't talk about clients, but right. what about that call? I remember specifically. Um he said, well, he was crying. And you did so good at that call. I remember that's when I was like, I fuck with Brad. <laughs> um, I still don't fuck with Brad, so <laughs> maybe one day I'll get there. But um Maybe you should listen to his calls. He does a good job. <laughs> um, he uh, he was crying, and you just, you know, like, I didn't even know anything about Arbinger yet. I was, like, listening to calls and learning about it, like, all at once, kind of. But now, knowing what I know, you were you were humanizing him, but you were, could also relate personally, and you were building rapport, and you were just letting him talk, but he didn't want to. And he was crying and he's like apologizing for crying. And you're like, man, wh- what do you, why, are you, why are you sorry or something like that? And he was like, for being weak. Or he said something like, I'm being weak right now. Like, this is just weak of me or something. Mm-hmm. And you said, so, or he said, it makes me a weak man. This makes, I don't want people to think I'm a weak man. This makes me a weak man. And you said, so 25 years as a cop makes you a weak man. And I don't know. It just packed such a punch. It just packed such a punch when you're like, or no, you, you didn't ask it like that. You said, mm, I don't think 25 years in the service or 25 years as a cop makes anybody a weak man. And like the way that you said it, and I could just hear him on the other end of the phone, just like, like a shoulder drop. And just like, for once, it was like someone saw him kind of thing. And I just, it's shocking that I never thought of it like that because I do consider myself somebody that usually takes like an objective view on things and I am able to kind of see all sides of everything and whether I could see empathy or not, that's where the humanizing wasn't coming in was I wasn't actually having the action to be able to treat somebody differently. But like in that call for me, it was kind of a switch. And just hearing somebody talking about, because what it was, was that person was talking about suffering. Mm -hmm. And that's something I know. Sure. That's something that I know very well. And so the empathy was there, right? But um, just kind of hearing that, okay, no, like, it was like, no, this this person actually does deserve help just like the way that I did. It's common ground. Right. The first time in your life you look at something that's common ground with a different population of person that you do, just don't hear about those kind of things. Right. Right. Like I don't right. I don't think anybody who is outside of law enforcement, because it is a closed off community. Very correct. Yeah. Very. 
uh, for reasons. Right, right. makes are, sense. Yeah, valid. Like nobody's going into that community and understanding the plight, right? Like they're mm-hmm. just they're just seeing what they do on a daily basis. So unless you have a family member, or you are you know you marry into it or or whatever it may be, you're not gonna see that. No. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you see in like some of the movies or something like that that maybe depicted in a way, but that doesn't hit home. It's a it's a fucking right. movie. Right. Yeah. And I'm not watching those movies, right? Because yeah. of insularity. I'm not right. I'm not watching the character development of yeah. my enemy. I think or what whatever. Fasc- I think one of the things that fascinates me about that is uh it's humbling. And uh I I recall that phone call now you just pulled a tear out of me mm-hmm. um that was a heavy one that mm-hmm. but i think as i hear you talking you were well-rounded i i think there's a great lesson in that for being blinded to some areas of and maybe unknowingly blinded or maybe even knowingly blinded and i think you're admitting some of that is knowingly saying yeah i'm gonna choose to be blind to this 100 i'm good with it in life yeah, uh, you know. and my justification for it was, well, they do it. They don't see me. Why should I see them? Or so you thought. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that that's justification, yeah. right? And my whole self, my, you know, knows that that's, that's bullshit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It's just about me and how I'm humanizing others. So let's so let's stay on this for a little bit now. Where where are you now? Yeah. So I mean, well now I think I said it already. I can't remember if I said it already, but I think cops are some of the funniest fucking people I've ever met in my entire <laughs> life. And that is a huge value for me. Like comedy is huge for me. Like if you can make me laugh. But it's not just any humor. Right, it's, it's not. It's, it's specific. Some dark shit. No, it's specific, and like, I'm like perfect for cops if you think about it. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you haven't shocked me yet with anything, yeah. but I know no. it's coming. No, no, one no, no, day. no, no, no. Well, I I hold yeah. back at work a lot, but I don't know why. I but. just do. I don't know. I just do. But no, like, you know, the funniest people that I've ever met: military, police officers, and people that have been to prison. Something about those things, trauma, personality type, who knows, but. Well, there's just, well, there's a, there's a common thread there. Yeah. And the, the common thread is you've seen the depths of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Prison. Mm-hmm. You're surrounded by some dark, dark shit, some dark people, cops. Every single day you go to work, surrounded by dark, dark people. Mm-hmm. Military, you're out in combat. Whatever it may be, like it's. It, the, I don't the, know that you realize how closely knit that group really is. Yeah, no, really. There's like a dire- there's like a direct correlation. Oh, for sure. Because the, the ones that can make that humor, that's a survival technique. Yeah. yeah, you know, totally. Which I get. I can relate to that. I hadn't. I haven't done any of those things, and yet, those are my people. <laughs> 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 the prisoners, the vets, oh, and the cops. <laughs> The No One Fights Alone podcast is excited to announce the launch of our new merchandise line. Now you can show your support for our mission by purchasing one of our hats, shirts, or hoodies. Our merchandise not only represents our brand and message, but also supports a great cause. 
A portion of all proceeds will go towards helping individuals and families affected by mental health. Wearing our merchandise not only spreads awareness for our podcast, but also serves as a reminder that no one has to fight alone. Join us in showing your support and spreading the message of hope and community by purchasing one of our No One Fights Alone items today from our website, nofapodcast.com, nofapodcast.com. So how do you humanize, let's stay on the, on the humanized yeah. piece for a minute. So, uh, you know, as much as, you know, it warms the hearts of everybody out there right. saying, yeah, you've crossed over and you like cops. Right. It's not, it's not so much about that. The right. reality is you're actually humanizing them. Yeah. Really. Yeah. You really are humanizing them and say, I see you. Mm-hmm. I see beyond, you know, the facade that you created, yeah. which is you're a piece of shit. You're a badge guy. You're just here to inflict pain heartache suffering on me now you see them as human yeah and even more so like the good parts of being a human you know the vulnerable the soft the scared the you know like love like what things are all about. I actually had this conversation with a client on the way up here because he was he's someone that seems pretty well-rounded already a little bit to an extent, at least objectively, maybe not about himself. Um, and he was just kind of asking me like, like what I typically see or like what's typically this, what's typically that. And, and he reminded me of like all the car rides that I've done and So I bring people in and I also take them home after they discharge. And so I see at the very beginning and then the change in the end. And it's so funny because you'll bring like these like macho guys in that the whole car ride, the whole car ride, all they want to talk about are like actual war stories in almost like this like boasting way and how like they're so tough, this, that, the next and then on the way home, they're like, Sarah, I'm wearing fucking beads and vanilla essential oil. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. and it's just, it's my, it's my favorite. It's my yeah. favorite. And I was talking to this uh, client about that and just how, you know, like the mask that you're talking about. And, and it's always funny because I don't know what, it's just so natural for, for, for people that come here to be in that mode that I don't think that they know how to turn it off yet. That's part of why they're here. Right. But it's like, I don't know what makes you think that I would be impressed by that, like macho story that you're telling me, you know what I mean? Like I see beyond that. Like, that's not the kind of thing that I think is cool. What I actually think is cool is like when you're like vulnerable and you're in tears and you're, you know, talking to me about things that you, hate about yourself and that you want to change about yourself or the things that you love about yourself and the things that you're grateful for and like what life is like really actually about instead of like this like mask that you're trying to put up that's not what i think is cool i get impressed by the vulnerable mushy shit yeah but you're the you're you're the one percent right like take yourself out of ever being in recovery ever going through your own mental health issues working in recovery Mm mm-hmm the rest of the world doesn't find that shit cool right no i know that's what i mean and that's what's so interesting to me about like i i love the car i love the transports because i get to like it's so weird like knowing that 
what you just said, right? So I know exactly why they're acting the way that they are. Well, listen, it's it's and like being like, I can't wait till you tell me about your beads. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and yoga nidra and yeah. how that saved your life, yeah. wailing like a baby. And, well, listen, uh, that, yeah. that that and it's not just law enforcement. Firefighter has that, you know, that protective system, and the you know these first responders and, and the but but veterans and cops, but essentially cops have a higher, I think probably a higher protective fence. I mean, that's that didn't just happen because they decided. Hey, I think we this would be a good idea. Let's just block everybody off. Yeah. Uh that came about from, you know, a long time of taking a beating emotionally from being vulnerable to people out there and they just close off and say, "Okay, here's my here here's here's my protective fence around me." And people don't get in and it's pretty layered. Uh you know, there's the cop community and then there's the agent community agency fence and then there's the shift here's all my shift partners and, and then there's my you know four or five guys that are just these are all and that's typically you know just spouses and kids and um you know i don't know that it's so much anymore but used to you lived life with them i mean they were family mm-hmm. i mean you had your family out there but your real family was you know, maybe four or five or eight partners. Yeah. Their spouses, their kids, and that was your community. I've and, noticed that too. And nothing mm-hmm. got in it. And they protected that. If you got in there, you either let in or you, they escorted you out. Yeah. And I've noticed that a lot of people struggle with that here because it's like, like something that I've noticed, like I'm just going to say it, everybody dates each other. Like, I've met so many people that come here and they're like, I, I work with my ex. Like, or I work, like, me and my wife. Well, sometimes it's, like, a lot of the times it's good. Like, yeah, me mm-hmm. and my wife work together or me and my husband work together or whatever. Like, they're all firefighters or they're mm-hmm. all, yeah, my dad was, my grandpa was, my, yeah. they're all that, Generational, you know, family-based. Generational, yeah. mm-hmm. totally. Like, like majority. Right. My brother, my sister, we all do this. Sure. It's so interesting to me. Is it, though? Because it's a subculture, right? So if you're raised in that subculture, yeah. that's what you find to be normal. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I mean. You Safe. Look at, yeah, but you, you equate it to poverty, right? Generational poverty. Right. If you grow up extremely poor, most likely. Yeah. Just numbers-wise, there's always a way out. But numbers-wise, you're probably going to be poor. Well, and it's just but, what you know, too. It's yeah. a It's a mentality. Also, but I mean, it's comfortable. That's, that's what most of them say is like, well, it's all I know. It's all I know. You know, my dad did it. It's all I know kind of thing. And that's cool. But I did notice that. I wonder, like, they all, they all kind of date each other. They all, they're all so internet. And I find that, like, that's something that I want to look into for some reason. I well, get interested by this kind of stuff. It's because they understand them. Mm. Yeah, that's that's what they say. Yeah, like I. Someone. Well, there's an accountability there. It's just like dating and recovery. There's a a a wisdom and respect. I mean, there's a there's just so many parts to that subculture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that are. Yeah. Good and bad. I mean, it's just like I I don't really feel comfortable dating outside of recovery because somebody that has never been an addict, 
would not get what I'm talking about. Yeah. See, like, but there's a difference too. Cause like, I mean, I am marrying somebody who's in recovery, but prior to other that, people can. Yeah. I refused. To yeah. In recovery. No, that's what I'm saying. Refused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other people is different. I'm just talking about me. Like yeah. me personally, I don't think that I could date somebody that isn't, you know, so just that just hasn't had the same experiences on a on a first responder level. It goes all the way down to like schedule, like not having to explain some night shift. Yeah. Like, like yeah. some nine to five guy your crazy schedule kind of thing like they just understand each other i just think that it's interesting i always i kind of want to look into that there's a trauma bond to it that's another subtle nuance to uh you know a first responder um family is the family has to be bought into it Mm -hmm, as well exactly it's not just hey this is my job i'll be home at five it doesn't work like that Mm -hmm. but you know if we um you know kind of circle us back to the the humanizing and i really appreciate you talking about that because it's such a great perspective of so many people that we we being cops viewpoint we encounter and it's refreshing to hear you offer up this you know this changed perspective or changed viewpoint of saying hey i see you now uh, which is really the epitome of the conversation uh, that we're talking about which is humanizing if we and we kind of probably wrap this up a little bit, you know, and, and uh, you know, humanizing Austin, kind of what's your thematic take on, you know, the whole, uh, we've had a great conversation, even though we've only put about 30 minutes on this, we've spent about the last three hours talking about this topic. Yeah. Well, it's deeper than this, but like, and I've said it a bunch, but I believe in this exact statement a lot more than just like looking at it from the outside. Don't be a fucking asshole. Mm. it's pretty simple like that's that's i try to simplify all these kind of things right and like we all have this idea of how we treat other people and all this it's kind pretty of stuff. funny because you actually do say that a lot yeah you i do say it all the time and that's my humanizing portion like don't yeah. be an asshole yeah that's like your humanizing mantra yeah yeah there we go mantra yeah. thank you yeah. that's exactly perfect but that's that's what it is now that equates to a lot of little sub factors and yeah you know things that go inside of it but for me it's that simple yeah yeah. What about you, Sarah? My mantra? Uh, mantra, last kind of wrap-up thoughts on humanizing people. Well, I'm not, like, super into um, really, like, what this term means. Like, I'm not a big yoga buff or anything like that. But that's what namaste actually means is, like, I see you, you see me kind of thing. Hmm. And, like, being one with each other. So that's kind of what I think of is 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 it's like these ideas are not new, right? You can find them in Buddhism. You can find them in, you know, whatever, these different spiritual or, um, you know, things across different forms of mental health and really just the world over time, values, whatever. These ideas aren't new, like namaste, that's basically what it means. We're saying humanize, right? Um, that action is important to me when it comes to this. And I think that that's what I got out of like our conversation today. Isn't that what yin and yang is? Yin and yang is like the feminine and the 
masculine and how there's a little bit of dark in the light and yeah like a little bit right so in harmony with yeah yeah totally yeah so that's another thing that we kind of talked about before we got on the podcast was like shadow stuff and that also helps me to um humanize people is if anybody looks into you know shadow integration and things like that when I did some shadow integration, that's what helped me kind of see humans as humans. Like we all kind of have things in us to make us act the way that we do. And it really is just human. So we might as well just treat each other well. Like we've got way too much in fucking common to mistreat each other. Yeah, but also humanizing doesn't mean letting someone mistreat you. Right. Oh, for sure. There's a self-respect yeah. factor. There's a, you know. And uh, that part's yeah. huge, I think, yeah. because especially for the people that do maybe have the trauma response of, like, people-pleasing or, you know, like, I can relate to that, too, right? Yeah. Having too much empathy, getting, like, Stockholm Syndrome for my abusers, things like that, right? Like, I'm not talking that. That's what I like about humanizing is it's very balanced. And it's like, I see you and I'm acting accordingly. Yeah, I think there certainly has to be some balance in knowing thyself and uh, being true to your values and beliefs. Uh, but, uh, you know, my, I would just leave, you know, with our listeners, I would just leave it with this. This has been a great conversation. Chateau uh, Health Sarah, and Wellness is a 16-bed treatment facility nestled in the foothills of the Wasatch Mountains in Midway, Utah. Chateau's first responder resiliency program is designed yeah, to treat the unique challenges and issues that first well, responders just, encounter in the course of their careers. Chateau's comprehensive and highly individualized approach to treatment addresses more than just the presenting issues. It addresses the why. Each of their seasoned, trauma-trained, and culturally competent therapists utilize evidence-based, specialized therapies to treat trauma at its core and enable clients to begin the healing process while developing a resilient and healthy relationship with stress. All right, till next time. Chateau Health and Wellness is trusted by departments and agencies from around the country to treat responders and veterans. In fact... It is one of only a handful of facilities nationwide that is vetted and approved to treat members of the Fraternal Order of Police. For more information or to speak to a representative, go to ChateauRecovery.com or call 888-507-5031.